Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. In, in this ministry, there's that responsibility. And so that's why there's consistent teaching and preaching about healing. Not, not just teaching on it from a redemptive standpoint in that it's part of the package, but in-depth healing and God's will for people to be healed. When you seriously look at the Word of God concerning healing... It makes no sense why people are not desiring more from God. Because these things are so simple to have and simple to receive and simple to access because they're ours by right and they're ours by birthright. They belong to us. Amen. I made a statement today about declaring the fact that you're healed. When a lot of people go to, to work on healing, they focus on what they have not done. Or they focus on what they have done. I confessed. I believed. I stood. Well, you may have confessed and believed and stood, but it was God that healed you. See, when, I, when I'm declaring, when I'm declaring in my confession, I am healed. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm declaring what is. What is. I'm declaring what is. Now here, whether I feel it or not, yeah. you know, you're inside, the air conditioner's going, all right, and you feel pretty cool, but you can say, it's hot outside. Yeah. Now listen, and when you get up to go home and walk out that door, you're going to experience what you said even though you don't feel it right now. But you're going to say it's hot even though you feel cool. You're healed irregardless of your feeling. And that's not just a faith statement. That The confession means to say the same thing. When you confess that you're healed, see, confession is not something that you do to work something up to make something happen. Confession is you saying the same thing that God has already said about you. I am healed. Not because I feel it, but because it's what He said. He said, I'm healed. Hallelujah. So I want to take a few moments tonight and look at this subject, merciful healer. Merciful healer. Hallelujah. Let's go to Exodus 15. This is where we'll begin tonight. And I'm going to move as quickly as I can. So buckle up, hold on, and then we'll pray. But understand, we're not just praying. We're not praying so much for someone to be healed as we're praying in agreement with the fact that you're already healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When, when, you, when you study in depth the ministry of Jesus Christ and his healing ministry in particular, I've read the four Gospels hundreds of times, at least a hundred times. And I know, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that that is where I go to understand. Jesus was the will of God in action for all people, for all time. Now, the reason this is so important is we look at those things in the four Gospels and we say, look what Jesus did. You look at those things in the four Gospels and you say, look at God's will for me. I see in the four Gospels God's will for my life because Jesus was the will of God in action. And every mo, mo, so many times over and over again in the Scriptures, you see, you see this statement. People would come to Jesus, and they would say, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. Now, we know 
that that's in the Bible, and we know it's there. But they were asking for something that healing evidently was. Healing is mercy. Healing is mercy. Now, we're going to get deep into that in a minute. The other thing that you see in the ministry of Jesus is compassion over and over and over and over again. Over and over again. Two blind men came to Jesus, and Jesus said, they said, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? They said that we might have receive our sight. And it says, he was moved with compassion. That word, move with compassion, when you look at that, now this sounds funny, but bear with me. When you look at the word, the phrase, move with compassion, it means lungs, it means intestines, it means liver. Here's, here's what that means. That it so moved Jesus on the inside that he had to reach out and heal them because they ask for mercy and the compassion of Jesus moved them. The leper came to Jesus in Matthew and in Luke and he said these words. He said, Jesus, you can heal me if you will. If you will. Is that right? And Jesus in the Greek, he said, I desire it. I desire it. And the King James says, and he had compassion on him and touched him and healed him. You will never have great faith for healing until you have great faith in the love of God. When you have great faith in how much God loves you, healing is a done situation. Because there are people that are desiring healing, but they're not sure of how much God loves them. And until you're certain about how much God loves you, until you're certain that, that Jesus has compassion and, he, and he's a compassionate healer, you have a hard time receiving healing. Hallelujah. But after tonight, it will not be the case. Exodus 15 and I want you to notice where we are in your Bible. We're at the beginning. Amen? And I can take you through 66 books of the Bible and show you Jesus as your healer in all 66 of them. Multiple times. Multiple times. Why? Because that's his M.O. That's his description. The healer. Hallelujah. Verse 25. And he cried unto the Lord. The Lord showed him a tree. This is Moses. Which when he had cast in the waters, the waters were made sweet. And he made for them a statue and an ordinance. And there he proved them. Tested them. The waters were bitter. God told Moses to put a tree in the water. He did so. And it was made sweet. And said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. And do what is right in his sight. And give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. Now that sounds amazingly like Proverbs 4. My son, attend unto my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Why? For they are health to those that find them and life to all their flesh. Isn't that right? And keep all of his statutes. I will put. Now this is important that you see this. That there, when, when, when the translators were writing the scripture, I'm not taking anything away, but that here, here's what they, 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 they failed to do and failed to explain, all right? There, there was no permissive sense in the Hebrew. It was written in the causative sense. And he said, I will put none of these diseases that I brought upon Egypt upon you. Now notice, but the way God was saying it is I will allow none of these diseases on you that I allowed on Egypt. Now watch. Notice this. Right after the Egyptians, I want you to help me tonight. What's, what, what is the punctuation right after Egyptians? Which means what? He's going to move on. Right? And the next word is four. Now that four separates the Egyptians and the believer. That four separates the world and the believer. Why did he have to allow the diseases upon Egypt? Because Egypt would not believe him. 
Why are people in the world and some people in the church sick? It's simple and easy. They won't believe God. He said, I will not allow them for I am the Lord that heals you. I can't heal them because they won't believe me. But if you'll believe, he heals you. Glory be to God. Say it out loud. He is the Lord that heals me. Say it again. He's the Lord that heals me. Tell your neighbor, he's the Lord that heals you. Glory to God. Amen. The Hake translation says, I am the Lord your healer or physician. I.e., I am he that's able to heal you and help you in body and soul and keep and preserve you, listen, from all hurt and misery present and to come. Woo, glory. So if you have something, he'll take it and he'll keep you from it in the future. Glory to God. You, you know, when the doctor tells you, I'm going to deal with this disease, and it could come back, not so, my brother, sister, not so. If he takes it, it's not coming back, because he'll keep it. He'll keep it from you. My case is different. My case is different. Amen. I've had believers tell me, well, you know, there's really no cure for this, so there's no guarantee it won't come back. Oh, yes, there is. It's called Exodus 15, 26. I'll keep you from all hurt and misery present and to come. Glory to God. Mm. The SG translation says, I, the Lord, make you immune to them. The Young's literal says, or let me say this. Tyndale says, for I am the Lord, your surgeon. If it's there, he'll he'll take it out. He'll take it out and keep you from it. He'll take it out and keep you from it. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. I'm kept by the power of God. Oh, hallelujah. Young's literal says, now now watch this. For I, Jehovah, am healing you. This is important. Present, continuous tense. I'm presently healing you, and I will always be healing you. Present, continuous tense. So you, you don't come to a meeting like this to get healed and then you got to come back to another meeting and get it again. The Lord is presently and continuously healing you. He'll be your healer today and tomorrow and next week and next month and next year and 40 years from now and 50 years from now, you'll still be healed because your surgeon will still be on the job. Glory! Glory! Look at Exodus 23. Am I helping you at all? Exodus 23, verse 25. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness from the midst of you. I will take sickness from the midst of you. The NIRV says, I, the Lord, listen, will take away any sickness you may have. He'll take it. He'll take it. Now listen, Brother Billy, if he takes sickness, he never gives it. Because if God took something he gave, he'd be violating himself. Amen. If if, if he takes it, he can't give it. God doesn't give sickness. He doesn't have any. The only thing according to Scripture that he's got to give you is healing. He takes sickness and gives you healing. Ooh, glory. The NJB says... I will keep you free from sickness. He'll take it and keep me free from it. Oh, my goodness. The BBE says, I will take all disease away from among you. All disease. Now, now what's included in all? All. All is included in all. So you name the disease. Name it. It's included in all. And he said he would take all disease away from among you. So what does that tell us? That there's no disease that God's okay with. There's no disease that God's okay with. Now, in our circles, we know that, but I need to say it. So it's not your burden to bear. It's not your cross to bear. It's, amen. It's not, it's not something that God's leaving there to teach you something. 
It's not something that God's leaving there to see if you really believe him or not. Amen. Is that right? Because why? He said, I'll take all disease from among you. Hallelujah. Look at Deuteronomy 7. The Lord's good. Say out loud, merciful healer. Oh, glory. I, I, I want you to see. Let's, let's start off here in verse 8. Uh, Deuteronomy 7, 8. I'm hurrying as fast as I can. Verse 8. Let's start right here and show you this first line. But because the Lord loved you. Because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath or the covenant that he swore to your father, to Abraham, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand, redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God. Now that's so important because it means what he has said previously he is honor-bound by a covenant to be faithful to what he said previously. God cannot forget anything that he said. And he's faithful to what he said previously. So we previously read where he said he would take sickness and keep sickness away from us. God is honor-bound to be faithful to that. Because notice what it says. He is the faithful God. What does that mean? Any other God you can name is not faithful. Number one, they're not faithful because they don't have any power to be faithful. God is powerful enough to be faithful to what he said. What he said 4,000 years ago to Abraham is still real today because God is faithful to what he promised. Glory! Amen. So if he took it then, he takes it now. If he keeps it from them, he'll keep it from me. I, ju I just have to meet the same criteria. Just believe what he said. Glory. But notice, because the Lord loved you. Because the Lord loved you. Verse 13. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He'll bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your, your land, your corn, your wine, your kind, the oil, the crease, increase of your kind, the flocks of your sheep in the land which he swear unto your fathers to give you. And besides all that, the Lord, verse 15, will take away from you all sickness and will allow none of the evil diseases of Egypt that you know to come upon you, but will lay them upon all that hate you. All through Scripture... Egypt is a type of the world. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. And notice what he says. He says, and, and I will allow none of the evil diseases of Egypt that you know. If I ask anyone in here to give me a list of evil diseases, you could do it. Cancer, tuberculosis, right? Diabetes, heart trouble, right? Arthritis, rheumatism, what, whatever it is. Amen. Amen. Glaucoma, bad hearing, gout, right? Depression, fear, anxiety. You know, I found a scripture the other day, and, and, and it's interesting how, how you know that these things are in the Bible, but you see it in, in the healing ministry of Jesus. Jesus healed, Jesus healed people in their spirit. He healed people in their body, and he healed people in their mind. It says they brought people to him that were demon-possessed, and he cast out the devils. He said they brought people that were sick in their body, and he healed their body. He said he brought people, they brought people that were lunatic, that were not right in their mind, and he made them right in their mind. Amen. Salvation is healing, and healing is for the whole man. The whole man. Glory to God. Do you see that? The Berkeley translation says, The Lord will preserve you from every sickness. But CWB says you'll be healthy because the Lord will protect you from those dreadful diseases. Oh, say it out loud. I'll be healthy because the Lord will protect me from those diseases. Tell your neighbor, point your finger at him and say, I'll be healthy because the Lord will protect me.
from those deadly diseases. Now, I know it's not polite to point, but they need to know you mean business. I'll be healthy. When somebody says this is going around, you say, but, but, but I'll be healthy. I'll be healthy. Well, why? Because the Lord is protecting me. Well, you know, I believe you need to get a shot or take this. Okay, that's fine. Go ahead. But the Lord will protect me. I'll be healthy. Mm. The GW Bible says the Lord will keep you from having, watch, any kind of illness. Now, see, when you read these things, it just depends on how literal you want to take it. Either he will or he won't. Any kind of illness. So that means if you have a physician on call that will take any sickness from you and keep it from you, how can I be alarmed when if it shows up, he'll take it and keep it from me? I like this one because, you know, people run this by you. You know that as you get old, older, you know, you got to have aches and pains and stiffness. The Wycliffe Noble Bible says this, the Lord will do away from you all ache. The Lord shall take away all your aches and pains. Now, what do you do with that? And why is that? Listen, why is that? Because he loved you. That's what he said. Notice what he said. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. Verse 8, because the Lord loved you. Say, say this out loud. He'll take away all sickness because he loves me. Take away all aches and all pain. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that good? Now, we read right there in Deuteronomy 7, verse 8 and 9, Notice what it says in, in verse 9. Know therefore the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, which keeps covenant and mercy. And mercy. So notice, and how, notice how long he keeps it. To a thousand generations. So God keeps his covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. This promises to who? Those that love him and keep his commandments. What's our part of the covenant? Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. That's our part of the covenant, right? Hallelujah. Mercy means goodness, kindness, favor, or pity. Goodness, kindness, favor, or pity. So by virtue of these definitions of the word mercy, if mercy were shown to you, it would be a benefit. If mercy were shown to you, it would be a benefit. Why? Because what is it? It's goodness, now, would healing be good? It's kindness, would healing be kind? It's favor, would healing be favor? Now, it's pity, because pity, from God's standpoint, is not pity like we think. We think pity feeling sorry for somebody. Pity is God looking at you in your situation and having compassion towards you. And he looks and he goes, it is pitiful that they're in that condition. And what does he do? Shows you a mercy and heals you. Shh. Hallelujah. New every morning. Say it out loud. God shows me mercy and heals me. Glory to God. Mercy is the compassion of God in action. You cannot show mercy without an action. You have to show mercy. You have to show it. Mercy will always be an action. Amen. Re re remember, remember when Jesus told the, the parable, it wasn't actually a parable, it was a, a true story, about the, the man we call the Good Samaritan. And he said that man went down and, went and was going towards Jericho. And, 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 and those people waylaid him, those criminals waylaid him, about killed him, left him in the ditch for dead. Remember, and it says a, a Levite came and, and went on one side, and, and then a priest came and went on the other side. And then it says the Samaritan came. Read it sometime. And it says he showed him mercy. 
and bound his wounds up, poured in oil and wine, put him on his own beast, and took him and paid for a night, and then said, I'm going on a trip, but here, here's what he, what he needs while I'm gone. And Jesus asked the people around him, said, in, in, in light of this story, who was that man's neighbor? And they said, well, the one that showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Mercy is shown. Mercy is shown. Are you with me? Whew. In these verses, we see one component of that mercy in action. He takes away all sickness. That's mercy. That's mercy. Part of our, part of our God's covenant promise to his people is that he will be forever merciful. Forever merciful. Notice John chapter 5. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. Blank check. John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there's at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, all right, weak folks, sick people, all right? And, and notice, sick people, blind people, halt people, meaning lame, not necessarily paralyzed, could have been a club foot, short leg, amen? Something, something that's causing them a problem, withered or paralyzed. What were they doing? Waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season. Y'all forgive me. It is hot in here. For an angel went down at a certain season. Isn't that what it says? And troubled the water. And whoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. Now hang on what right there and, and, and think about this. Doesn't that sound forever more like whatever sickness you have, he'll take it? When you read in the four Gospels, never overlook the fact that you're reading about an old covenant ministry. The ministry of Jesus is an old covenant ministry. It cannot be a new covenant ministry. It's showing us the type and the shadow of the new covenant what's available to us in the new covenant, but Jesus ministered as a minister under the old covenant. Right? Everybody Jesus healed was under the old covenant. Mm. Now, now, why is that? Because Jesus was the vehicle that the promises of God rode on to bring us into the new covenant. Jesus healed everybody on credit because that's what God said the Messiah would do. And Jesus came and perfectly fulfilled the plan of God for his life, which was what? To heal everybody that would believe he was who he said he was. And over and over and over and over and over again, we see where it says, and he healed them all. And he healed them all. Under the old covenant, they were all healed. Because of the mercy of God. Listen to me. I have a right to be healed because of the finished work of Christ. They had a right to be healed based on the promise of God about what was coming. And Jesus healed them all on credit. Because he knew what he was going to do. He was perfectly justified in healing people that were not born again and did not have the Spirit of God in them for two reasons. They were God's covenant people and he knew what he was going to do on the cross of Calvary. Glory, glory, glory. Amen. Ha, ha, ha. And a certain man was there that had an infirmity 38 years. Jesus saw him lie, knew he'd been in that case a long time, and said, will you be made whole? And he said, sir, I have no man to put, when the water's troubled, to put me in the pool. 
Now, I've heard people say this man doubted Jesus. No, he didn't. He didn't know who Jesus was. Read the rest of the chapter. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know Jesus was a healer. What would you do? You're laying there at a pool waiting for the troubling of the water, and some guy walks up and says, you want to be whole? Well, your thought's going to be this. Now, maybe you think, maybe you're more spiritual than me. But here, here, here is probably going to be your thought. Well, why do you think I'm here? Would that be right? See, you think you wouldn't say that because you know who Jesus is. He didn't know who Jesus was. He, he, did, he didn't. Verse 13, I can prove it to you. He that was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. They asked him, who told you to carry your bed? The guy that healed me. What an answer. The guy that healed me. If you've been on a bed 38 years and somebody says, rise, take up your bed and walk, you're not going to argue. And you don't care who they are. You don't care if his name Pookie or Ray Ray, Chiquita, Billy Bob, Ray Bob, Joe Bob, Jose. I'm going to get up. They said, who told you to do that? He said, the guy that healed me. <laughs> That's important. And notice, whoever, verse 8, Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Notice, whoever went into the water first was healed. What is that telling you? It's always been God's will to heal whoever was sick. Whoever got there first. This pool would have been here before Jesus' ministry began. God wanted these people healed so much, he had a place where a specific angel would come down and trouble the water, and whoever got in first got healed. <laughs> you know, there were probably hundreds of people that were healed at this pool. Now, this is important. The name of the pool was Beth Ezda. Beth as the Beth, always meaning house. Beth El, house of God. Right? Beth Esda. Beth Esda. House of mercy. House of mercy. The place where these sick people were laying was called the house of mercy. Jesus came to the house of mercy to heal people that were sick. Glory to God. Tonight, just call this church the house of mercy. Amen. Why? Because the healer's here. And he's going to do the same thing he did there. He's going to tell many of you, you pack up your bed and get ready to walk unaided. He's going to tell many, the pain's leaving your body. The problems are going to go away. Your eyesight's going to clear up. Your heart's going to beat right. Your body's going to be pain-free. Why? Because you're at the house of mercy. Boy, the glory's thick right now. God promised mercy to his people in his covenant. And the realization of that mercy was Jesus. Mercy is not just an act. Mercy is a person. Look, look over here in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1. That, that's how I know you're going to make it regardless of the diagnosis. Because of the mercy of God. Amen. A lot of times, you know, people say, well, you know, just the mercy of God. I, I understand that, and I agree with that. But sometimes we say that like, whew, no, the mercy of God is active. The mercy of God is there for you every day. I know you're going to make it because your God is merciful. I know you're going to come out of that sickness because God's merciful. I know that your diagnosis is going to be removed, and I know they're going to say you're healed. Why? Because the mercy of God is operating. Amen. Luke 1, verse 67. This is when Zacharias was prophesying concerning John the Baptist and Jesus. 
Verse 68 says, the Lord God of Israel, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, he's visited and redeemed his people, raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, that's Jesus, spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which, we have, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Now notice, why did he come? To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore unto our father Abraham. To perform the mercy. Everything that Jesus did was an exhibition of the mercy and the loving heart of God. Everything. Everything that he did. Jesus healed no one to prove that he could. He healed nobody to prove that he was the Son of God. That's important. Because people say, well, you know, Jesus healed so that he could prove he was who he was. No, 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 that's wrong. That's, that's a biblically illiterate person that's telling you that. Jesus healed because of the mercy of God. How, how do I know that? Because, listen, if he would have, if, if he did things to prove who he was, why did he not turn the stones into bread? Because he didn't do things just to prove who he was. Why didn't he jump off the temple? Why didn't he bow down and worship the devil? He didn't do things just to prove who he was. If, if Jesus was so eager just to prove who he was, he'd have jumped at the chance to turn water into wine. But Mary came and said, they have no wine. He said, what's that to me? My hour hadn't come yet. It's not time for my unveiling. It's not time to reveal myself. And people will say, why did he turn water into wine? Simple, he honored his mother. He honored his mom. Evidently, his mom would have been in a bad situation had this went wrong. And Jesus turned water into wine to honor his mother. But he didn't, he didn't go around. Jesus would heal people, heal multitudes, and convey himself away. The book of Matthew chapter 12 says that Jesus is, is the realization of Isaiah's prophecy that said he will not make much of himself, a, a burning reed and a smoking rope he will not even break. He's not going to blow his trumpet in the streets. Jesus was constantly giving his father the credit and taking none of the credit himself. Because it was mercy. He wasn't proving he was God. He was showing God's mercy. Am I helping you? Look at Luke 17. Are you receiving anything? We're going to pray in just a few minutes. I believe your faith level is high. Luke 17, and um, let's look at verse 12. As he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood far off, and they lifted up their voices, notice this, and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. Now, now notice what we see. The reception of mercy was evidenced by their act of faith. What they asked for? Mercy. What did he say? Go show yourself to the priest. What was their action proof of? I've received the mercy. Right now, say it out loud. Say, I receive your mercy. Say it again. I receive your mercy. Right now, I don't know who it is. You don't have to stand up. I'm telling you this by, by, by the word of knowledge. There, there is gum disease being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
and you're going you're to notice a difference. And, and I'm going to tell you this, that the, they've been receding, but in the next two days, you're going to see them back to their normal, their normal place. Ah, uh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Why? He says he satisfies your mouth with good things. Satisfies your mouth with good things. The, amen. Uh, ha, ha. Hallelujah. And, and they lifted up their voices and said, have mercy. He said, go show yourself to the priest. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Now, there's a lot we could get into. For the sake of time, I won't. He's a Samaritan. He has no covenant with God. Evidently, the other nine were Jews. They knew, go to the high priest and show yourself. Why were they going to the high priest? Because you go to the high priest so that he can pronounce you clean from leprosy. And as they went, what happened to them as they went? They were cleansed. Is that right? But this Samaritan goes, wait a minute. I can't go. Even if I am cleansed, I can't go. He fell down at his, on his face at his feet. Now, now emphasize this like it should be emphasized. Giving him thanks. Who did he send them to? The high priest. He figured out I can't go. So he turned around and gave him thanks. Ah, and he was a Samaritan, and Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith in what? My mercy. The fact that you came back and gave me thanks makes me know you know where this mercy came from. And your faith in my mercy has made you whole. My God. Hallelujah. It was his mercy. It was his mercy. Look at Hebrews 2. Oh, glory. Now, now there's more to unpack in, that, in that, those verses. We won't do it. But I, I, I just want you to see that. Uh, and we'll tie them together right here. Hebrews 2, 16 and 17. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham... Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be, watch, a merciful. Well, now, now, why did it behoove him to be made like his brothers? Because he had to be able to be merciful. There are things Jesus became. How can Jesus be touched with the feeling of your infirmities? And people will say, well, that, that means weaknesses and temptations. It does, but it also means sicknesses and disease. Jesus was never sick in his earthly walk. But on the cross, he became very sick. He became familiar with every sickness and every disease known to man. He knows what it's like to suffer with cancer. He knows what it's like to suffer with heart trouble. He knows what it's like to suffer with depression. Why? It all came on him at the cross. Ah, and, and see, it behooved him to be made flesh like his brethren. He's the firstborn among many brethren. And it says it behooved him so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest. Remember the Lord your God, for he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy unto a thousand generations. When you saw Jesus, you saw God. Jesus was faithful. Jesus was merciful. He was acting in the image and the likeness of God. Hallelujah. Glory. <laughs> Do you, do you see this? No, notice this. Let me hurry. Be a merciful and faithful high priest in things returning to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So here's what I want to see. Here's what I want you to see, and I want to tie together. So that Samaritan Jesus, 
sent them to the natural high priest that was high priest in the natural but that Samaritan who received the mercy of Christ and realized he couldn't go to the natural high priest he turned around and came back to the faithful high priest who is merciful and faithful and when he fell down at his feet Jesus said your faith has saved you and healed you I'm telling you tonight when you bring it to Jesus and you say I'm tired of dealing with this sickness I'm tired of dealing with this disease I need mercy the faithful high priest will show you mercy he'll show you mercy say it out loud he'll show me mercy Look, you're right there, and he, look at Hebrews 4, verse 14. Is this okay? Verse 14, seeing then we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession or our confession. For we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities or who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses in every area. But was in all points tempted like as we are. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy. What do we obtain at the throne? Mercy. And very often when people read that, they just put that in the context of sin. Forgiveness of sin is a mercy. Healing of your body is a mercy. And you get all the mercy that you need for everything at the same place. Amen. I, do, I don't get a mercy for forgiveness. And then over here I get a mercy for healing. In God's mind, when he saved you, he healed you. When he, when he saved you, he delivered you. The struggle comes in because religion puts other things in there. And they talk about how, well, yeah, God saved you, and now you got to work this up to get healed. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. The same blood that saved you healed you. The same blood that saved you delivered you. The same blood that saved you set you free from fear and anxiety. The same blood that saved you set you free from your, from your past, from your failures, from the issues that you've dealt with. Why? Because that blood reached into every part of your being, and it revitalized and healed and saved every part of you. Glory! The Bible says salvation is in three tenses. It freed you from all the past of your guilt and your shame. The Bible says that we are being saved on a regular basis. And then the Bible says that there will come a day when your mortal body that belongs to God, whether it's in the ground or it goes in the rapture of the church, will be saved and changed into an incorruptible body. Salvation is working in you right now. The same power that saved you and recreated you in the image of God can do the same thing in your physical body. It doesn't matter what the damage has been. It doesn't matter what needs to be repaired. That same mercy will We'll make it brand new. Amen. I submit to you that your joints aren't wearing out, but they're being renewed. I submit to you that your back is not beyond repair. I submit to you that the mercy of God's healing you right now. I submit to you that the mercy of God is making you new, making you whole, making you well. Rise up and walk because you're healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians 1. Such a good God. Such a good God. Such a good God. I know, I know I'm throwing a lot at you. I, I feel like I'm fire hosing you. But, but I'm telling you. I'm telling you when, you. when you get a hold of this. When you get a hold of this. Your days of sickness are done. They are done. Listen. It's not. God doesn't heal you because of your confession. He heals you because of, your, of his mercy. Your confession is you declaring what God said about you. 
but it's his mercy that healed you. Your confession builds your faith about what he thinks, but his mercy healed you. His mercy healed you. How do I know that? I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen countless numbers of people healed that knew nothing about confession. They just believed in his mercy. And when somebody, when I, when I talk to somebody and they're constantly telling me how much they're confessing, I want to ask them, but how much of his mercy are you leaning on? Because when, when, when you make it out that it's your confession that's going to produce it, you're alleviating the mercy. You need your confession to help your faith. But remember, it's his mercy. Nobody in here could save yourself. You didn't even want to be saved. God came looking for you. I, I said it in New Members class today. And he orchestrated events in those Kairos moments of time before you were even born again, before you were even born, long eternity past. God knew the day, the very hour, the very moment, the very second that you were going to give your life to him because he had arranged a moment of meeting for you. And you didn't have, listen, the only thing you had to do with that was receiving it. You believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth. And what's it say? You shall be saved. Now we talk about that just salvation from sin. And that was the context. But that word salvation is the Greek word soteria or sozo. And it involves the wholeness of man. How do you get the wholeness of God's mercy in your life? Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. What comes first? Believing. And then what do you do? Concerning what you believe. Concerning what you believe. Concerning what you believe. Do you believe he's a faithful and merciful high priest? I said, do you believe he's a merciful and faithful high priest? Amen. Say that out loud. Then I believe that he is a merciful and faithful high priest. See, you're confessing what you believe. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the apostle Paul said, we have in the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. What comes first? What comes first? What comes first? What comes second? So what's more important? Believing. You got to believe that he's a merciful and faithful high priest. And when you believe that and it clicks, your days of sickness are done. I'm telling you, that blood disease, gone. Second Corinthians 1 verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. And the God of all comfort. God is what? The Father of mercies. What does that mean? That means he'll show mercy in more than one area. Whew. Here you go. And he'll show it more than once. He'll show it in more than one area. And he'll show it more than once. I've had people say, I've had people ask me, you know, I believe I'm healed, but when you have a healing line, should I come up? Get out of your seat and come up here. Why? Get hands on you every chance you get. Why? He's the Father of mercies. It's not that it didn't take the first time. When you come up the second time, it's you saying, I believe I received, and I'm just coming up here to get agreement that I've received my healing. You're not in this alone. You're not trying to just make it. The Bible says if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. What is calling for the elders of the church evidence of? The mercy of God. I can call for people to come and anoint me with oil and pray the prayer of faith over me. And because of the mercy of God, he said the prayer of faith will save the sick. Is that what he said? I need you to get this. This is not either or. This is not a maybe so proposition. This is not you might. He said the prayer of faith shall save the sick. 
and the Lord shall raise him up. Glory. Why? It's mercy. It's mercy. Come on. <laughs> Look, you don't have to read this, but you can write it down. Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. Notice what it says. His mercies are new every morning. His what? Mercies. What does that mean? There's more than one, and he'll show it to you more than once. Look at Philippians 2. This, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm about done. Whew. Don't forgive me for taking my jacket off. I was raised in a good Pentecostal church. You don't do that. But it's hot. Philippians chapter 2. And if I was a real good Pentecostal preacher, I'd say, now, brethren, all y'all can take your jackets off too. <laughs> Philippians 2, 25. I supposed it necessary to send unto you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow companion in labor and fellow soldier, and, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because you heard that he had been sick. You heard that he had been sick. Now, there's a lot of teaching there I'm not going to get into. But notice, he, he had been sick. Verse 27, for indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. Whew. He was about to die. He was so sick, he was about to die. But God had mercy on him. Now, there are people who say the reason he was sick was he overworked himself. Maybe so, but God had mercy. Say it out loud. I want mercy. See, I, I'm, I, I, I need to help you with this. Put all the reasons that you may be sick aside and just receive the mercy. Put all of the things that you may have done aside and just receive the mercy. I've heard people say this, that they were sick with cancer. And somebody said, I believe the Lord would heal you. And they said, but no, I did this to myself. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You want the mercy. Well, I haven't taken good care of my body. Doesn't matter. You want the mercy. I, I had a good friend of mine. If I said his name, you know him. I had a good friend of mine. And, and he was a, a wonderful man of God, wonderful word of faith minister. Loved him with all of my heart, still love him. And every time he would testify, I would see him at healing meetings, and he would go up for healing. And, 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 and I would hear him testify, and he'd take the microphone, and he'd say, well, I'm believing for healing because, you know, in my past, I just beat my body up so bad, and my body's just so beat up. Doesn't matter. Mercy. Mercy. Mercy, mercy. Ephroditus, if Aphroditus was sick because he'd overworked himself, he was heavy, he was sorrowful, and he overworked himself. That's what the Scripture says. But notice, God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. He was not only sick, he nearly died, but God had mercy on him. God had mercy because he's the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy unto a thousand generations. If you need mercy tonight, the faithful God that keeps mercy to a thousand generations is here and he'll show you mercy. He'll show you mercy. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, I, I, I let down my guard and, and I quit using my faith. Aren't you glad he shows mercy? I say, aren't you glad he shows mercy? When, when, listen, when, 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 when that leper figured out that he couldn't go to the high priest, what did he do? Came back to the one that showed him mercy. Came back to the one that showed him mercy. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? Isn't the Lord good? Oh, thank you. Hallelujah. I need to pray in a certain order. 
if you have any kind of joint problems, back problems, hip problems, pain in your joints, get out of your chair, come to the front right now. Any, any kind of pain in that area. Neck, back, shoulders, arms. Whoop! Mercy. The Word of God, the Bible, tells you something. If you're dealing with inflammation, the Scripture tells us in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 that inflammation is under the curse of the law. Hallelujah. But you're going to get mercy tonight. You're going to get mercy. Say it out loud. I'm going to receive mercy. Say it one more time. I'm going to receive mercy. Hallelujah. 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 The laying on of hands is simply the point of contact. When I lay hands, you release your faith. And it goes. That's what happens. I lay hands, you release your faith, it goes. Not might, it goes. Say it out loud. When hands are laid on me, this is going. 